Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Movie Dudes. I am Alec. And I'm Phil. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about uh, the uh, the classic uh, American Psycho, uh, starring Christian Bale and directed by uh, Mary Heron. Right. So, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll just start off with a little... You know, a, a a brief summary is as brief as I can keep it, uh, with right. you know spoilers and everything intact. Um, so it's the '80s, and we follow uh, a uh, very wealthy, uh, wealthy guy. He's a New York investment banker, is Patrick Bateman. Uh, he's a very egotistical, nar- narcissistic guy who uh, basically spends his time going to his office, revolve or you know going around uh, like restaurants with his uh associates that he doesn't really like the company of at all uh keeping up appearances uh with his fiance uh you know going through his daily routines and everything discussing music and uh his just kind of just kind of like you know going through his daily life um but we start to slowly catch on that uh Beneath all of that, all that mask, all that, like, uh, all those activities, he's trying to mask some deeper uh, urges of, you know, inflicting harm on others. Um, So at a, you know, at a business meeting, uh, Bateman Bateman and his associates are kind of flashing their uh, business cards at each other, talking about it, uh, until Patrick decides to... uh, get a look at his uh his coworker Paul Allen's card. Uh he is then enraged by uh the I guess perceived superiority of Paul Allen's card that he goes out and murders a homeless man and his dog uh and at a Christmas party. Uh Bateman makes plans to have dinner with uh Paul uh, who is mis- who's mistaken Bateman for another co-worker. Uh, they, you know, they go to this, uh, this restaurant. Uh, he, Patrick gets him drunk, and they go back to uh, Patrick's apartment where he murders Paul Allen. Um, and uh, Bateman, or after, after disposing of the body, Bateman breaks into Allen's apartment uh, and packs a suitcase, leaves a phony message on the uh, answering machine, basically telling uh, everyone who would call his uh, his address that Alan has gone on a uh, vacation to to uh, France. Um, or I think it's London. Yeah, it's London. But, um, yeah, London, yeah. After this, Bateman is uh, interviewed but, uh, on the disappearance of Paul Allen by a... Uh, by a private investigator, uh, Donald Kimball, played by Willem Dafoe. Um, and these these kind of these interviews kind of pop up throughout the movie. It's not really like uh, in terms of like big story beats where it happens. They just kind of like oh, it's like oh, uh, Kimball's yeah. here to talk to you, and then like just kind of splice between the scenes. Um, but a little time after this, Bateman uh, takes two prostitutes to his apartment has sex with them and then murders them. Or actually wait, no, he doesn't murder these ones. He 
uh, he doesn't murder these ones. He uh, he just kind of uh, he like he does some off-screen stuff that we're not really uh, shown. Uh, but I believe it's I believe it's uh, described more in the book. Which for those who don't know, this book or this movie was based off of a book written by uh, Brett Easton Ellis. But uh, he. Or you know, after after all that happens, Bateman's at another one of his dinners with his uh, colleagues, uh, in which his colleague uh, Lewis reveals a new business card, which reminds him of the whole Paul Allen thing. Uh, which Bateman follows Lewis, uh, tries to strangle him in a bathroom, uh, but Lewis uh, mistakes the attempt as a some kind of sexual advance and uh, is really into that, and Bateman is caught off guard and runs away saying he has to return some videotapes uh after this he murders a model he uh invites his secretary to uh to dinner um almost murders her but is cut off by receiving a message from his fiance on his answering machine um and then he asks his secretary to just leave before he does anything um trying to remember what else happened oh yeah um there's another meeting between him and detective kimball uh who reveals that uh a colleague of patrick's has revealed or has claimed that uh he spotted paul allen in london which i mean as we know is impossible uh Mm -hmm. and uh after this uh bateman gets one of the prostitutes from earlier that he did not kill to come with him again uh and brings her and another prostitute to Paul Allen's apartment and uh, murders one of them there while grisly killing one of them with a, uh, a chainsaw, revealing that he has been murdering people in Paul Allen's apartment for the last uh, however amount of time. After this, uh, Bateman is like, he's going to this like ATM, uh, or actually, wait. Before this, he breaks off uh, his engagement with his fiance. Later that day, he goes to uh, an ATM and basically uh, is sent into a frenzy uh, of, uh, you know, killing people uh, after seeing... Mm-hmm. Or, uh, that's... It's very... It's a very... It's a very funny scene. He, like... Or he, like, he walks up to the ATM and sees a, a mm-hmm. small cat walking near him. He picks it up and looks at the ATM machine and sees that... It says, <laughs> feed me a stray cat, uh, in which he, yeah. you know, he, he puts the, he puts the cat near the, you know, the dollar, uh, or like, you know, like wherever you'd insert your card. Uh, and before you can do that, someone interrupts him, he shoots her. Uh, and this basically starts a, uh, a rampage where he kills, I think like nine people. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, throughout this he's starting to just kind of panic and freak out uh to which he runs to his office and uh uh leaves a confession uh on his lawyer's answering machine uh claiming to have killed around 20 or 40 people the following morning uh bateman visits paul allen's apartment to clean up all of the remains that were in the apartment uh but upon entering the apartment is completely vacant. 
uh, has no signs of anyone living there. All the furniture's gone. The walls have been painted pure white. All of the bodies are gone. And all that's in there is a realtor showing a couple around. Um, he, pretend, he pretends to kind of like be a potential buyer, but the realtor you know, tricks him into admitting that he's not there to buy the apartment. Then she, all, all she says, or um, cryptically, she just kind of says like, uh, you know, you know, just just leave. She tells she just tells him to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets with Kimball for um, I, I think this is the final time, um, and he, or he, you know, he's kind of terrified at this point that he's going to get found out, but Kimball assures him that people several people saw Paul Allen in London uh, and Kimball tells Bateman that Allen just probably skipped town to go on vacation for a few weeks uh, finally he decides to go to lunch with his colleagues uh, but at this lunch he sees his lawyer kind of uh, across the room and he goes to talk to him about the uh, phone message that he left the evening before Uh he his lawyer begins to kind of like he at first he kind of uh you know he mistakes him for another colleague of his and laughs off the whole confession as a joke uh Bateman is kind of like no no it's it's me and I really I really did all of that stuff but his lawyer just com- continues to say that it's impossible as he recently had dinner with Paul Allen Bateman is flabbergasted by this and returns back to the table of his friends and left with the idea that his crimes will never be discovered or maybe they're all imaginary maybe people just don't care Bateman just kind of ruminates in the fact that there's no catharsis for anything the confession meant nothing and that Mm -hmm. is where the movie ends and it's a very Like now that I'm now that I'm reading it out loud, it is not a very typical um, like three act structure movie. I yeah. guess mm-hmm. it is. It is very much like a collection of scenes that are related to each other. I guess the reason I never realized that it's not very typical is because I I think it works. <laughs> I think it works really well. Yeah. In its uh, structure. Mm-hmm. But um, I've seen this movie twice. Uh. And uh, I wanted to know what uh, what you thought about it, Phil, <laughs> since I think this is your right, first well, time, right? So it was my first time watching it. Um, I really liked it. Uh, so I think I mentioned that last episode, how like uh, my two of my brothers uh, watched the film a few months ago, I think. Uh, one of them, oh, yeah. one of them kind of liked it. The <laughs> other one hated it, and I, I didn't get to to ask him since uh, since I watched the film, like what he why he didn't like it. But I definitely will have to do that. Because uh, I mean, it's I, I, I guess I maybe can't understand knowing his stakes why he didn't like it. But I personally really liked it. I, as you said, the structure really is interesting. Like, cause especially if you think. Um, if you compare this movie to other like movies about serial killers, if it was a, a, a three act, it would be kind of something of like uh, the first act is kind of introducing the killer and showing how he c- committed his murders 
uh, and also introducing the uh, detective that's gonna gonna try to hunt him down. Uh, the second act is mostly gonna be uh, kind of like uh, the murderer do living his life, and the mostly focus on the detective trying to find the murderer, and then the third act act is going to be the big one where the uh detective finally finds the um, the murderer and arrests him but in first of all like i thought this movie was going to be much more focused on willem dafoe's character but i think he has like three scenes uh just about yeah yeah so the <laughs> movie really is first of all the movie is much more fo focused on the murderer than i thought it was going to be and second of all the murderer in this case does not get caught at all and even when he tells people what he did, like the guy just is like, "Shut the fuck up! You're just messing with me." Yeah, uh, <laughs> which, I, which I think is uh, kind of interesting and very like, uh, yeah, I was really was not expecting that. Um, what really, what I thought was the most interesting for this movie is the entire character of Patrick Bateman, which is such like. I don't know. I've never seen a character like him before. Um, it's I. I've seen. I'm. I'm sure you've seen that as well. Maybe on Twitter or something like that. I've seen a lot of memes that are like, "This is a list of movies oh, that yeah. if you uh, like these movies because you relate or like the main character, you do not understand them." There's movies like Fight Club and <laughs> American Psycho, and like, holy shit, that is the best example of that I've ever seen. Like. <laughs> It's he's so. It, I think first of all, I think the his introduction is like on point. It's so it's oh, so it's perfect. perfect. Just yeah. basically the introduction is just him like explaining his morning routine uh, of how he works out, how he takes care of uh, his body and takes care of his skin, and it's so like. Uh, it, uh, that's that's something that I wrote too. Is in a lot of scenes, it, it kind of feels like. Uh, Christian Bell acts like tries to act like a like a robot, and during the first scene, I saw that and I was like, hmm, I, I'm not sure. I really, uh, it kind of feels like Christian Bell isn't doing that great of a performance here. But then, as I watched more of the movie, understood the character, I understood that like that's on purpose and that's just to show how bizarre and strange the character is. So, honestly, that's. I think that's a really, really good performance uh, from Christian Bale. Oh yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. It's really good. It's probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite Christian Bale performance. I can't really think of one where I think he surpassed it. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, I mean Batman's good, but well, like this is. I mean, Batman's good, but iconic. there's nothing. There's nothing I feel in Batman that's really like, whoa, you know, like the big character in the Dark Knight yeah. trilogy is the Joker. Uh, so much yes. it kind of like, you know, shadows the uh, the other character. But uh, kind of like to end what I have to say about the the character. I, I just want, want to make a comparison with another character uh, that I think is is pretty funny. So I've explained before how I'm. Uh, I think I think I've explained that before. How I'm a very big fan of the show How I Met Your Mother. And uh, mm -hmm. obviously, the most famous character in the show is Neil Patrick Harris's character of Barney Stinson, who is now that I've seen this is definitely like it's basically a parody of um, of Christian Bale's character. 
uh, Patrick Bateman. Because it's like, you know, he's living in a like very uh, lu- uh, luxurious apartment in New York. He's got a very like hyping uh, job in a, in a bank. Uh, and he's like uh, a ladies man and he's all that all that kind of stuff except that of course since it's a comedy show Barney Simpson is like a nerd and he's got a lot of uh of issues that uh Patrick Bateman does not have and I think the comparison between those two characters is very funny and (laughs) the more I think about it the more I see how just how similar those are and I really see just how how much the the creators took from Patrick Bateman to create Barney Stinson and so I think that's really funny (laughs) it's it's funny that you mentioned because I, out of all my notes, I forgot to mention the fact that American Psycho is very huge in memes and has been for a long time. Like, yeah, in the past year especially, a lot of Patrick Bateman memes have shown up, uh, like just American Psycho memes in general. But uh, the the Paul Allen murder scene especially. Um, was my first exposure to this movie, uh, but that's because yeah. it's one of the most memed scenes ever, where he <laughs> he explains his uh, his love for Huey Lewis in the news uh, to Paul Allen before brutally murdering him to Hip to Be Square, which has redefined that song almost yeah. entirely. <laughs> mm-hmm it's yeah but um there's something really funny about all the scenes where he just goes on a rant <laughs> talking about movies uh that's i think that i wrote is just how like the an, another scene where that happens is when he's about to have to, to have sex with the uh, two other prostitutes uh and he just goes on a rant about phil collins and genesis and then yeah. and then he has uh then the sex scene starts with uh susudio by Phil Collins, which I think is like the wildest <laughs> yeah. music choice for any so sex insane. scene I've ever seen. It's like the uh. it, it, it's like the least sexiest Phil Collins song there is, <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the least. And it's also it, it's paired really well because it's one of the least sexy sex scenes ever. Um, yeah, because you know it shows <laughs> it shows more of Patrick Bateman's uh uh you know egoism and narcissism where he's he's you know he's having sex with these women uh but the entire time (laughs) he's looking at himself in the mirror and like flexing and like winking at himself pointing at the camera he set up to film the whole thing it is it is so insane (laughs) i think that's actually the first scene uh, from the movie i've ever seen i think i said just in a random youtube video and like I knew about the film, but I didn't know about the story. Mm. And I saw that, and I thought that's a weird movie. Uh, <laughs> it's to be it fair, a it's a really movie. weird scene. You didn't get that wrong. You didn't. Mm. You didn't yeah. get that wrong for sure. Yeah. Um. But um. <laughs> one of I guess to get into some some notes I had. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like a lot of uh, I I actually wrote down quite a bit for this movie because. Uh, yeah. I didn't think I didn't think I would a second viewing would change a whole lot, but it actually mm-hmm. uh, ro- like it actually rose my rating of this movie from four and a half stars to a full five stars because uh, 
Really? I, I only like I realized, yeah, I realized like while I was watching, I'm like, damn, I don't think I I don't think I dislike a single thing going on here. I'm like, I think I like this movie like almost hmm. fully. And I was like, that's insane. Um so yeah, I think it's it's definitely one of my favorite movies. Um and hmm. one of the things that I really enjoy about it that it gets completely right is its use of uh, narration, uh, which is not very typical for, I guess, movies like this, maybe. Uh, but I love, like, I love the scenes where, like, obviously there's the introduction the scene where he introduces himself and shows his entire, like, uh, self-care routine. There's the scenes where he's, Mm-hmm. Uh, like this, there's the monologue at the end. There's just all these moments in between where he, mono or where he narrates for even just a second to say something that's going on in his head. And I think it's so perfect because it shows completely that we are we are seeing this movie not through some kind of like th- third person perspective. We are in Patrick Bateman's head. <laughs> mm-hmm. every scene every scene is spent yeah. with him there's not a single i don't think there's a single scene in this movie that doesn't feature him yeah there um, there is uh I, there is a small scene where you see his uh secretary this looking through like his uh that's right his agenda yes. with seeing all, all his drawings but be- besides that i'm pretty sure they they all have him yeah um but yeah, I love I love that I love that effect that's brought up, and I'll I'll mm-hmm. bring up more of like the kind of psychological effects that the the film gives later on. Um, but one of the things I noticed a lot more this time around is just how much uh, like people are I guess mistaken for each other in this entire movie. It's it really is like the the longest running i guess uh thorough line throughout this entire movie because you know obviously there's the mix up between uh or the, there's Paul Allen's mix up between uh you know Patrick and another colleague of theirs but this happens numerous times throughout the movie uh even even like even in a random scene i think it's when it's in the middle of Patrick's rampage where he walks into the office building and the guard says, Hey, Mr. Smith. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is, (laughs) it has, it's something I didn't exactly understand why it was going on until I looked into, um, I guess the, the major point of the original book, uh, by Brett Easton Ellis, which is the idea that, uh, all of these, you know, yuppie businessmen 80s guys homogenized to the point where all of them cannot recognize each other by name most of the time and i think it Mm -hmm. works extremely well in this movie knowing that fact um but yeah i (laughs) i have a lot more to say on the uh on the ending more than I do most of the movie beforehand, so I wanted to know what are some of the notes that you have. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Hold on. Um. 
uh, there's another that I wrote that I, that I think is kind of funny, which is how, like, in a lot of ways, especially uh, whenever he and his coworkers talk about their opinion, it just made, made me think how, like, mm. Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. is just a compilation of all the worst people I've seen on Twitter. <laughs> just, like, all the conversations of him saying, like, how there isn't a single woman that has a good personality or how, like, <laughs> if homeless people are in the street, they just need to get a job. Uh, which is, like, <laughs> you know, stuff that I s- I've seen very similar things on Twitter. So I think mm. that's kind of funny. Um, I know, hold on, fuck. I know there's another thing that I, that I didn't write, but I thought of. Uh, hmm, shit, I can't remember it. Uh, I'm just going to go some other stuff. Um, yeah, well, obviously... Just like any movie with Willem Dafoe, I have to say how amazing Willem Dafoe is. Uh, of course. Before I watched the movie, I heard a thing. I'm sure you've heard of it as well about how they film, how they shot the first scene with him, mm. which is how I basi- mentioned. I, I, yeah, I think I mentioned that earlier on the podcast, some episode. I don't quite remember, but um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you can basically, the the way they did it is, uh, I think. This is approximately approximately what happens. If I mistake something, you tell me. But uh, basically, they shot three takes of it. The first one was with Willem, De- as if uh, his character knew that he was guilty. Another one, as if he didn't think he was guilty, and the other one, as if he was just he, he just did not know. I think this is it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it was, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they shot it like guilty, suspicious, and completely oblivious. Yeah. Right. And, uh, like, throughout the entire scene, I was just looking like, which take is that? I think that's that, that take. Uh, but just in general, there are so <laughs> many, like, there are so many. I think his character is very funny just because there are certain moments, just the way he talks or the way he looks at him, that there's something. I don't, I don't know. The, like, especially when. Uh, Patrick Bateman will say something and Willem Dafoe's character will answer. And the way he's going to answer is just... There's something so funny about that that kind of feels like, oh, <laughs> yeah, right, uh-huh. Uh, as if, like, he knew he was lying but it, and was just, like, making him think that he, that he believed him. Uh, that, that was just great. I love Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. It, um, it brings up... Or I guess it brings up the idea of, like, I don't know, because the way that it's edited, once you know that, it can seem, I guess, a little disjointed upon reviewings of that scene. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that works really well, even if you do feel it's disjointed, because of just how much how much it's edited that way to make it seem like you're not able to get a solid grasp on the emotions that are happening. Because like on once in mm-hmm. in one part. Willem Dafoe will like be laughing and cordial with him, and then it'll it'll immediately, like, cut to him in a very serious tone, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it just keeps you it keeps you guessing through all of his scenes. I think it's such a brilliant idea. Um, mm-hmm. but you brought this up earlier, and I, I forgot to write this down, but it is something I wanted to talk about about how um, so in. You brought a part of it, but uh, in in a lot of his social interactions with uh, his colleagues or his, his fiance at like a dinner or something, uh, he basically kind of blends in to whatever kind of 
uh, conversation he's having. Like if it's with his colleagues, they'll be, you know, slightly misogynistic or they'll be racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for um, except for the first scene, but I'll get there in a second. Uh, but uh, so he, the the way that he interacts with everyone is he tries to make himself, and they all try to do this to some certain extent, is they all try to make themselves seem so much more, um, I guess, I don't know what the word would be. I guess superior is a part of it, but another part of it is, you know, worldly and intelligent uh, to the point where uh, in one dinner scene, someone brings up um, the, or someone brings up whatever's going on in Soho and then someone, or, and then uh, one of his colleagues goes like, oh, what about the massacres in Sri Lanka? And then Patrick Bateman go, and then Patrick Bateman goes on an entire like minute th- minute long like thing, just going on listing off like, oh, what about racism, social awareness, equal pay for women? Uh, obviously not caring about these mm-hmm. issues at all. Um, and then there's yeah. there's a scene before that, uh, which is the the first scene in the movie where, uh, you know his his uh, his his uh, co-workers begin to say some kind of stuff about uh, about like their idea that the waiter is a uh, Jewish, uh, which Patrick responds to uh, responds to them to uh, cool the anti-Semitic remarks, uh, which is one of my favorite out of context clips of Patrick Bateman because <laughs> the way he says it is just very very funny to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he it it's those dialogue choices that I think add to the character uh social or in the social scenes in the movie <laughs> yeah uh but i mean besides that i think that's pretty much all i uh i also wrote like it, it is really cool how like how much of a sort of like jekyll and hyde personality he has mm-hmm. um i think well it's but that's something that I really liked about Christian Bell's performance. But the moment where I saw that the most is in the ending. So why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about mm. that? Okay, so I'm going to kind of go through, I guess, the final three sequences that really, I guess, stuck out to me this time around. So the first sequence is obviously the Rampage sequence where his entire... I guess his entire persona of being like just kind of of being, you know, unhinged when no one else is around, but be completely like uh, composed when, you know, he's in a social setting uh, completely deteriorates and just leaves Patrick completely like frazzled to the point where the next day after the murders, after the rampage occurred and he confessed to his lawyer He's, you know, he takes all of his meds in just like one, like, like one go. He calls his assistant, uh, acting, you know, completely unhinged, which causes her to go through his belongings and see the notebook, which, you know, we mentioned, but, you know, it, it causes him to enter or enter the, um, the apartment of Paul Allen to see, or to kind of get rid of all of his, uh, evidence um but uh you know obviously i I described the scene before and i 
don't know why it, it didn't really hit me it didn't strike me that much on the first viewing but i think this scene might be the most un uh, what's what's the word i'm looking for i guess it's the most chilling scene in the movie to me at least on this viewing mm. because something yeah. about he you know he enters like completely ready like he puts a gas mask on to like get rid of the or to like you know resist the smell of the rotting bodies but he enters and it's just completely white and the the you know the realtor is acting completely like cryptic about everything doesn't even let him know that she knows but in but like kind of infers like or like just kind of infers that there's this unspoken understanding between the two like i know what you did but just just get out of here i don't care Mm mm-hmm and it's such a such an unsettling scene uh on a second yeah. viewing especially um but you know from this he you know he enters the the whole final sequence which um obviously there's you know a lot of interpretations you can kind of glean from this ending uh but like one that a lot of people i guess i'm trying to think of like I I think the two the, the three that I've seen is like you know one is obviously there's the there's the theory that none of it was real there's the second one is the theory that it was real um but the lawyer is just covering him covering for him by saying like oh you know I had Paul on with or I had dinner with Paul on whatever you know um but the third sure. theory and this is the one this is the one that I personally believe in because I think it makes the most sense is that it all really did happen but no one cares everyone is too yeah absorbed in whatever they're they have going on that they they don't care which leaves yeah which leaves bateman i guess spellbound by it to the point where he sits back down and rebuilds his entire persona of being normal as he's sitting there looking straight forward pouring with sweat and it completely he completely sums up the entire i guess theme of everything that's going on in the scene uh with the final line that he says out loud which is just whatever uh Hmm. but i think there's something else interesting that i needed to write down because I was very, very like, I, I, I saw this mentioned somewhere online and I spent like maybe 20 minutes before recording this kind of looking up like, what is it? What does it mean? But on the, on the uh, door behind Patrick in the final scene and the final shot uh, is a door that reads, uh, that has a plaque on it that says, this is not an exit. Um, which some people have likened it to, you know, a reference to, um, this old, uh, this old play called, this is not an exit about four people that are trapped in a room that they eventually realize is, uh, is hell. Um, which I think is definitely maybe part of the reference, but I think, and maybe I'm reading too much into it here, but I think it, I think that, um, I think that like that sign kind of relates to Patrick's like uh ending monologue of like you know there's no catharsis this confession has meant nothing there's no 
there's no way to get out of this like i guess a uh, inner feeling of you know bloodlust and rage and unsatisfaction you know there is no exit from what patrick is feeling and that's what leaves the movie completely unsettling in that last minute and i was i was watching that scene i'm like that's an, <laughs> like i it could be stretching but if it's if it's not that is some insane stuff <laughs> mhm yeah in a in a way it kind of reminds me of not not to the same extent i guess but it reminds me of the i guess ambiguous ending of memories of murder and why that's so unsettling to i guess reflect on yeah i guess so yeah Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, I wanted to know what you thought about the ending. <laughs> what do you What do you think happened? Uh, well, what's uh, so? I mean, what I what I think happened is exactly the same as you. I think it's just that no one really cares that much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think it's uh, what the director wanted to wanted to show, but. Like it is, I do really understand why people are making theories. Like, I'll have to say, when there was the the scene that the the ATN showed, like feed me a straight cat or something like that, I thought like, yeah. oh, this all right, this is a dream sequence. This is what's going on in my head. This is <laughs> this is what I thought, and then I saw the whole scene. I was like, oh fuck, is it? And then like, we never <laughs> saw him waking up. Yeah. So I thought, fuck, maybe it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, uh, it is it, it it is a very weird thing because like everything, pretty much in that scene, makes sense, except mm-hmm. that like this is the only I don't know like a one hundred percent like fictional thing that happens and like it could not happen in real life. So I, I'm not sure there's a certain meaning for for that specific line but right i, yeah. I see what you mean by that right but uh, yeah no that really kind of took me by surprise um <laughs> which I, I um, don't know. yeah there's so I, I, this is not off topic but um i have the, the the version of the movie that i own is a i'm pretty sure it's a pretty recent re-release it was a it was a steelbook release of the uh, 4K edition. Um, that it comes like a whole, a whole it comes in like a whole fancy steelbook, a whole fancy like slip cover. Um, but something I noticed nice. when I was, you know, pulling out the movie to watch it was I pulled out, I pulled the steelbook out of the slip cover, and printed on the inside of the slip cover is the words "Feed me a stray cat" in the ATM mm. font. <laughs> and I was and I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> that was but, pretty good. <laughs> that's yeah, no, that's that's the kind of stuff. One of if my I, favorite, like, oh it, yeah, if, what's up? If I it, like, if I bought the Blu-ray and saw that like before watching the film, I'd be like, what the fuck does that mean? Because <laughs> it sounds so like out of context without ha- having seen the film. It sounds so ridiculous and kind of stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's. Uh, but yeah. Aside from another, I guess incident, incidental thing that I noticed uh, about his about 
Patrick Bateman's performance, uh, or I mean Christian Bale's performance, uh, there isn't. Well, I guess much it else also I is. Have uh, to say. It is also is Patrick Bateman's performance, if you think about it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and what I was gonna get into was that, right. uh, and the fact that, uh, um, during I, this is something I noticed this time around that really, I guess, got me, was that uh, every time he breaks away from, like. A, like a social interaction you can see his face drop from whatever his expression before was to an immediately like neutral expression it is that quick there's one scene in particular and yeah. that's the uh laundromat scene where he runs into uh, an old friend of his and mm. he's like oh yeah we gotta get we gotta get dinner and immediately like if you watch that scene over again you see him exit he's smiling and as soon as he looks away and breaks eye contact from her bam immediate neutral expression and it was Oh yeah! When I, I think saw, I saw that, that, I was like, Yo. "I think I noticed that." <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it caught me so off guard this time around. I was like, "Wait." <laughs> mm. Um. Yeah, but that's that's about all I had for discussion on the movie itself. Yeah. At least in notes. Um. But did you have anything else? Um. Not sure. Uh. I will say I was very like we've all already mentioned Christian Bale's performance, but I will say the particular right. scene that I like really really like is when he's uh when when he's calling his uh, lawyer in uh, in his office. Mm, oh yeah. When he just goes <laughs> from like f- from like crying and being so scared for his life, and then goes into like hysterical laughter and i saw that i was like this is one of the best performances <laughs> i've seen in a while mm-hmm. it's like the amount of craziness that comes from this particular performance i just it's kind of stuff that i fucking love i really like that like he <laughs> i love it too there's there's one line in particular that i love where he like you know he's going on about i like how many people he's killed, like, what kind of people they were. He was like, he was like, you know, I've killed a lot of homeless people, yeah. prostitutes, and he's, like, rattling off, and then he finally stops on, like, he, before he's, like, very, like, in hysterics about it all, and then he, like, anchors himself on, anchors himself and goes, and then I killed Paul Allen. And, like, and immediately almost seems, like, proud of it. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a good moment. Yeah, this movie is full of little things that are great to notice about his performance. I think it's, I think it's a movie that really, really holds up on multiple viewings. Um, but I can, I can say, I think I understand why some people might not like it. Obviously, like I could never put myself in those kind of shoes, uh, because I love this movie. Uh, but I can kind of Mm -hmm. see how someone to just kind of wants or who just kind of, I don't know, I don't know what the word would be, but just kind of you know expects a regular kind of thing out of a, out of a movie wouldn't really, wouldn't really dig it, but I think it's, I think it's a good time and I think most people should check it out. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um. But yeah, I think it's also all I had to say about it. I think so. Yeah, I think. I think that's about yeah. it for um, our discussion I, on American yeah. Psycho. 
<laughs> it really is just kind of weird to like have a movie where we only have 45 minutes to talk about it instead of like an hour and a half compared to last time. Um, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But we've done it before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wasn't it like uh, the Holy Grail that we only talked about it for like 20 minutes? I think like for really um, for a really short amount of time. It was that and uh, Run Lola Run, our first episode, yeah. where like I just yeah. I kind of real or like like midway through talking, I just kind of realized like, oh, there's not really a whole lot to say about this movie, is there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like the same thing for uh, the Holy Grail too. Yeah, we talked about it for thirty <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Hmm. Uh. But yes, so uh, do you have uh, anything else to talk about for the podcast? Oh, for the podcast? Uh, yes, I, I think I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like in terms of like the regular stuff we always kind of talk right. about. Um, yeah. My girlfriend and I recently set out on a kind of, uh, a kind of film journey that we want to go on. Uh, All right. Where, so, okay, there's... There's this actress. Uh, her name is Joey King, uh, and she right. she appears in a lot of movies that um. And let, okay, let me let me clarify it. Mm-hmm. She is the starring character, uh, in in most of the movies, in all of the movies actually, where she is a starring character. Uh, all of them are terrible, terrible, terrible movies. <laughs> She is right, the right. main character. Just, just for examples, mm-hmm. she's the main character in all three Kissing Booth movies. She is, I believe, <laughs> yes, she's the main. She's the female lead in Slender Man. Uh, she Ooh. is also the. She's also the lead in uh, Wish Upon. Uh, so it it boggles my girlfriend and I's mind that someone can have such a terrible streak of movies. And obviously, you know, if she's getting paid well, then there's no, no harm, no foul on my side. But I think it is just... Yeah, the Kissing Booths are big Netflix movies, so I'm guessing... Yeah. There there might be a good paycheck at the end. Yeah, so it's no, like, there's... When I talk about Joey King like this... I'm doing this from no uh, ill will on my side, um, right? But I will. I would like to mention that her and I have compiled a list of uh, every movie that she is the lead, or she is one of the lead uh, actors in, and we are going to watch mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, and this kind of all this right. idea sprouted from uh, this weekend where we watched uh, we we watched both uh, Wish Upon. And uh, a movie on Amazon called uh, The Lie, which is, oh, oh it's also awful, but right. it's, it's, it's a special kind of bad because I was, I was looking at the movie and I realized that on Letterboxd, it says it came out in 2018, but most other places you see, it'll say that it was released in 2020. So I started wondering... Mm-hmm. I was like, why why is that? Why why is yeah, that? Yeah, that's weird. And I realized, I, I looked at the Wikipedia page. I realized that uh that Joey King or uh this this movie, The Lie, 
was it was commissioned or it was it was produced by Blumhouse, um, and it was completely it was completely finished, uh, and it was you know released at festivals in two thousand eighteen, but when it mm-hmm. came time to distribute this movie worldwide, Blumhouse held off on it for two years, All and right. only released it when Amazon bought the rights to stream it. So. All right, that's, that's so kind of weird. Movie, this movie is so bad that Amazon, <laughs> or that, that, that Blumhouse, Blumhouse, by the way. Yeah. The people, who, <laughs> the people who have brought some of the worst horror movies of the last 10 years. Some of the best, too, but also yep. mostly worst. Yeah. But the fact that this is Blumhouse, who has some of the most bottom-of-the-barrel stuff, the fact that they shelved it for two years is so <laughs> insane i was <laughs> it was it was it was breaking my mind that night and i was like i yeah. my, my girlfriend was like well i'm not tired and i'm like well i'm not tired either i'm like well i guess we'll keep going and then we watched wish upon that night uh which wish upon is also awful but i don't think you needed All me right. to tell you that <laughs> I, yeah i kind of guessed it <laughs> But um, I I love the cinematic enigma that is Joey King in her many performances. Yeah. So uh, keep keep doing you, Joey King, because I'm definitely gonna keep watching. That... <laughs> it's kind of like uh, what's his what's his name? Noah Centineo? Is that it? Yes, Noah Centineo. Yeah. Who? Is like I'm guessing kind of like her male equivalent, where he has played in a lot of movies, the leading role in, in a lot of movies, but they're all the kind of same kind of like shitty <laughs> teenage movies. Uh, where I saw, I've only... I, re- I really like uh, Carson Ronquist's video about him, where he kind of mm. like did what you are doing, uh, where he just watched every movie with him, <laughs> and they all suck. There's even there's awful. even one with like Keanu Reeves, which it kind of makes me sad. But that is that is kind of sad. But yeah, you know, at least that's that's the other thing is that like yeah. when you see actors that you when you see actors just do bad movies, you usually think like, oh, you know, I bet they have some good stuff under their belt. Some don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that is yeah, that's true. where it gets really that's that's where it gets really special. That's when you know you found like, <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Like it, it very, very like I guess, not very often am I this this interested in something so low quality because I I truly do it, it feels otherworldly. It feels like this shouldn't. It feels like this shouldn't yeah. be a thing, but <laughs> but the fact that it is makes me so interested. <laughs> It's, the, it's, it's it is weird, especially like for. I, I think it's, it's something that's different for an actor or a, or a director. So in Noah Centineo's case, like I've never seen a single one of his movies, but I'm wondering: is it is he is it he's just a terrible actor, or is he like just somehow very unlucky? Because like, how, I, how how do you make so many? bad movies and not have like one good movie see that's that's where i kind of start to think like you know 
because with a lot of bad performances from decent actors, it 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 really does fall on the director. Um, but you know, you know, maybe they just didn't direct them right. Maybe the script's wrong. Yeah, um, that definitely could be it. But but you know, obviously, obviously in this case the director not really being up to the task and the script being wrong are two factors of it for sure. Um, but when you start to see this kind of thing, like repeat, you kind of start to think like, you know, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe they're just not very, you know, great at acting, which, you know, you know, I guess you don't need to be, especially if you're making all this money. I mean, you do you. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's, a, I think it's a oh. hell of a thing to, to see happen. <laughs> I'm sure that Noah Centineo isn't like crying in his house, being like, "Why do I make bad movies?" I think he's fine. <laughs> I think he's fine with his career. And honestly, no, if I could, good for if him. I could do the same. I, if I could do the same oh, thing, yeah. I would. There's, yeah, there's absolutely. no, there's no, no way in hell I wouldn't take a life of like. Or obviously, you know, there would be a part of me that goes, you know, I want to make good stuff. But if I could, if I could be a bad actor. Who makes a lot of money i'd be fine with that <laughs> yeah and i mean you know also he, i i'd say he's lucky because like he makes bad movies sure but he's at least he's not hated like he's got a yeah. lot of fans and even the people mo at least most people who don't like his <laughs> movies are kind of like just trolling him and are just you know they're fine with him existing because they're you know his movies are bad but so like inoffensive and kind of yeah, like yeah it's you know Sure, yeah. That's what yeah, that's what separates that's what separates the kissing booths from I don't know, the Dear Evan Hansons of the world. <laughs> is that you don't yeah. you don't really you don't really feel offended watching it. You're just kinda like, you know what, this is awful. But I don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Plus I just said that he's gonna be in uh Black Adam, which is like Really? Yeah, he that's he awesome. is gonna be in Black Adam, which is like, you know, <laughs> A, a big Hollywood production, so I'm and you know his movies were. I feel like his other movies were a bit like kind of kind of cheap rom com. So I'm yeah. kind of curious to see what you know. Maybe he's gonna give like a very good performance. Who knows? <laughs> it's it is possible. Well, it's very possible. I yeah. I'm interested to see. I'll keep I'll keep an eye out when that movie comes up, and we'll we'll mention we'll mention good old Noah again. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, there there are there are actors who like started their career making bad movies and then shifted to making like good movies. I mean, oh yeah, like the only example I have is uh, Tom Hanks, whose first movie was a terrible anti Dungeons and Dragons movie, like very religious anti D and D oh, movie. Oh yeah, uh, yeah I that one. It's, and it's kind of hilarious. Uh, Margot Robbie. Her, I'm pretty sure her first big acting role was a uh, was in a an Australian soap opera, and uh, <laughs> you know uh, that kind of stuff. Like, it I would honestly I would really like that, and I hope this is gonna happen for them. Like, those actors who are right now making bad movies will grow to be to become actually like good and successful Hollywood actors. Like, that would be great. That would be fucking cool. Oh yeah, no. If if I see in like the next five years. If Joey King like pulls off a like a show-stopping performance that like leaves everybody in the dust, I, I mm. I'll take back. I won't take back anything I've said, 
but I'll feel different about it. <laughs> it's like right. how I felt different about um, when I first discovered uh, Aquafina. Like I remember mm. I discovered her first in um, uh, what was it? Ocean's Eight, uh, and I thought right. she was like the worst character in that movie. And I was like, mm-hmm. God, she's just kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, and then and I was, and then the farewell came out, and I was right. like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, where did where was this? Yeah, and it starts to make me think. I'm like, yeah, maybe it was just the script. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> or like for sure. the director. Yeah, which Aquafina is yeah. great. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, the there's that kind of stuff. Like your view on on an actor can drastically change from which movie you you see. Like if you're, I feel like mm-hmm. for the past few years, there's been a lot of hate. For uh, the example I have is there's been a lot of hate for Brie Larson. Uh, yeah. And so a lot of people have been hating her for the some stuff that her character characters have done, especially Captain Marvel. And for some, for the way that she's acted in interviews and that kind of stuff. But like, I've seen people saying that how like she's a terrible actress and that kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, she did win an Oscar for Best Actress. So like, I haven't yeah, seen... Yeah, she's not a bad she's not a bad actress yeah. really at all it's I just mean, kind of you know, like <laughs> even in captain marvel i didn't like captain marvel but i had nothing wrong to say about her performance uh the only other movie i've seen her in is scott pilgrim versus the world where i thought she was actually pretty damn good and i haven't seen room but like i think if she won there's the the oscar i think there's a reason for that uh yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, it is it, the the world of bad actors is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, and I guess a, a thing to add about Brie Larson is I don't I don't enjoy her uh, as Captain Marvel really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that doesn't mean I haven't seen good things with her in it or she's a bad actress. Um, right. It's just it's it's kind of it's kind of painted as that kind of nowadays, at least online, because of, you know, her portrayal as Captain Marvel, which a lot of people don't like. Or, like you said, yeah. the way that she acts in some interviews, which, you know, is a bit much. But, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it doesn't mean at all that she's bad at what she does. She she isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's the same thing with, like, actors like Nicolas Cage or Adam Sandler. Um Oh yeah. Oh we're yeah. Like, well, yeah. We're we're like you know sometimes or like you know most of the time they're just kind of they're just kind of in random stuff and not really giving yeah. uh, you know great performances. But then sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you get like cut <laughs> gems or or some sometimes well, you get like hold on, hold on what's a good Nicolas Cage movie? Um, uh, I mean Spider Man, uh, Into the Spider Verse, I guess. Uh, oh Pig, yeah. Pig recently. I oh, haven't yeah, seen pig, it, but I've like, heard so many something... things about it. Yeah, and sometimes you'll get like a like a Raising Arizona, which is a great Nicolas Cage movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 a very strange, very strange world. Bad yeah. act, uh, bad acting. <laughs> I think um, the fact that you specifically mentioned both of those actors is interesting because their career, like you know, that's a. They they are similar in that that way, but they they do it in different ways, which is how um, Adam Sandler, especially for his recent movies, I've heard is that the way he picks 
script is kind of like he wants to, to to make a movie where he would take a, a vacation like for <laughs> yeah. um for just go with it he goes to hawaii for grown-ups he goes to like uh goes to like the 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 forest near a lake that kind of stuff uh, but then sometimes he's gonna pick movie like Uncut Gems, Punch-Drunk Love, uh, The Mayor is Sorry. That even to some extent, I will say, I think Click is actually a pretty damn good movie. I like Click a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I remember I, I went into it. I I can't remember last time I watched. It. I think it was a couple of years ago. But I remember I went into yeah. it going like, yeah, this is you know this is during Adam Sandler's off area off air. It's not very good. <laughs> Now I remember I I put it on and I was like, it's not bad. <laughs> it's it is like you, you, the the story is like so much deeper and you actually feel like you know the people working on the movie were trying to say something. Uh, yeah. And, but I, and I, it I has, do, yeah. It has its it has its you know dumb comedy moments that like of course are pretty yeah. typical of of Adam Sandler comedies mm. but it's you know i I think it works fine i mm. like 50 first dates <laughs> yeah sure uh but i i will say it is very funny how he went from uh f- from giving an, an absolute amazing performance in anka gems and then directly went to giving one of the worst performance of his life in hubie halloween <laughs> Yeah, which <laughs> I think it's so funny. Um, well, didn't he say? Didn't he say if Uncut Gems wasn't nominated for an Oscar that he would go and make the worst movie ever? I think he said that. Yeah, I heard. Th- I heard that. <laughs> which honestly, I think is really funny. Like it's very funny, and I yeah. I remember when I saw I remember when I saw the Oscar nominations list and saw that Uncut Gems got snubbed. I just remember thinking, uh oh, <laughs> something's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's for Adam Sandler. But then on the other, uh, other hand, you have Nicolas Cage with, which like Nicolas Cage. What's really interesting about him is like he is he cares so much about acting, about every single role that he's in. He's gonna care so much, no no matter the role, no matter the movie. And I don't know exactly why. <laughs> I don't know exactly how he often ends up and ends up being in bad movies or at least like mediocre movies, but it's there's there's so many movies I feel that like people will say, yeah, the movie's bad, but like fuck, Nicolas Cage is somehow so good in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, and, case yeah. in I case in point, um, this week I'm gonna be watching uh, Willy's Wonderland. Which is the uh, the movie that he did? Uh, that's kind of like a, a Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff, and I, 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 I say this with no hyperbole in my voice. I am yeah. so genuinely excited <laughs> to watch right. this movie. Even uh, I, I, I will only be disappointed if it's just mediocre, <laughs> like if it's like very right. middle of the road. All right, so can I just say I have somehow never heard of this movie until now. What Wait, really? the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> what the? F- are you kidding me? No, no. 
Not kidding. Oh at all. my god. <laughs> Fucking poster. Holy shit. He oh is credited god. as the janitor, and that's it. This is this movie is oh my so god. I the only thing I've heard about it other than, you know, the the basic plot was the fact that uh uh they had to change some of the animatronics because they were too similar to Five Nights at Freddy's and they were afraid that they were going to get sued. And and the fact that this exists is so, just so great. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited, and I will yeah. report back. <laughs> Which can I just after like all those examples of uh, Nicolas Cage? Can I just remind people that Nicolas Cage was the main character in Wild and Heart, which is the movie that gave David Lynch his uh, Palma d'Or. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, I remember a few months ago I was talking with I was talking with like some of my friends and one of my teachers like after a class we were just somehow talking about. David Lynch, and then he mentioned then like David Lynch had made uh, had won a Palme d'Or with the movie he made with Nicolas Cage, and was like, "Excuse me, Nicolas Cage and David Lynch, where where can I see that, please?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, I will have to watch Violent Hearts. Like, oh yeah, fuck. it's on it's on my it's on my list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, have you seen any, anything else uh, this week? Um, other than the Joey King, uh, whole, the whole thing, I think, um, I watched, I watched the, I watched a bit of the Incredibles with, uh, mm-hmm. with my, uh, with, I watched a bit of the Incredibles with my niece and that was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, or I, I don't know what, I, I think she'd be a cousin. I'm not, I'm not too sure on the logistics of it because it's not my it's not my brother's kid. It's my. It's my, uh, it's my uncle's very young daughter. It'd be cousin, cousin. That's what it is. Cousin. Right. But yeah, <laughs> I watch. I watched Incredibles, <laughs> which right. is is what is one of my favorite is one of my favorite Pixar movies. <laughs> mm, yeah, same for me. Yeah, it's a classic. Um. Well, yeah, so, what, did you, what did you watch? Right. Well, I have seen quite a lot of movies. Uh, well, no. I've seen, I, no, never mind. I've seen three. I thought I'd seen more than that. Uh, <laughs> but still, I've got a lot to say about those three movies. Um, so last episode, I mentioned how I wanted to watch all the big classics that I'd somehow never seen. And at the end, I mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, I think I said, oh, tonight I'm going to be probably going to be watching Goodfellas. Well, guess what? You did. I yeah. did. Uh, Ooh. Dude, that's fucking yeah. good. That's fucking it's good. good. <laughs> um, so the, that was actually only my second Martin Scorsese movie I've ever seen. Uh, mm-hmm. The only one is uh, the other one is uh, Taxi Driver, which I saw last year. And I, I, I don't know what it is about Taxi Driver, but I was a bit underwhelmed by it. Um, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. I was. Uh, I don't know what it is about it. I think I have to. I'd have to rewatch it. But Goodfellas, like I think, just in the way that the story was told, was just so thrilling, so exciting, and uh, I had like this movie is so much fun. 
and it's yeah, like yeah it's a very very fun movie <laughs> it's 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 like you're always entertained throughout the entire thing you just want to see what uh henry's character will will become and uh where he'll go and if he's gonna like get killed or if he's gonna be fine uh and obviously at like any scene with joe Pesci, he just steals the show like holy shit no wonder he won an oscar for that like just just the scene where it's like what why am i funny what the fuck's funny about me <laughs> that was great also another thing that i really like is just how much they say the word fuck or any other variants in the movie which uh i read online it was like 320 which is oh i think god like the most um the, the the most time it's been said in like a, a major hollywood production which doesn't surprise me i don't see how you can go higher than that <laughs> but like yeah that was so so much fun um and i will gladly watch many more martin scorsese movies uh throughout the year i've the like i actually made a list uh i could talk about that for a bit I've made two oh, lists yeah. actually for 2022. I made a list of directors that I want to explore more, um, and I made a list of directors that I've never seen a single one of their movies, but that I want to change that. So before we go on, before yeah. we go on this tangent, uh, sure. there there is one thing I want to interrupt with, which uh, I just looked this up, and I'm very, uh, very, very surprised by this. This is a uh, the list of uh, this is this is Wikipedia. This is the list of movies mm -hmm. that have said that have said the word fuck the most. Um, Alright, so go ahead. I'll, give you, I'll just I'll give you some I'll give you some uh, examples. Uh, Menace to Society and Goodfellas right. are tied at three hundred. Um, let's see. I believe. Okay. Huh. Uh, the top eight are uh, mm -hmm. Straight Outta Compton at three ninety two, Casino yeah. at four twenty two. Nil by Mouth, 428. Summer of Sam, 435. Uncut Gems, at 506. The Wolf of Wall Street, 569. Huh. Uh, there's a documentary called Fuck, and it has 857. Uh, in the top, <laughs> the top is Swear Net the Movie, with 935. Uh, and they oh even calculated. God. They even calculated. Uh, they even calculated the uh, f words per minute, and uh, Swearnet yeah. has eight point thirty five per like per minute on an average. So huh. you know, <laughs> just just a bit of you know a bit Weird. of a uh, yeah, just a bit of fun to 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 show. <laughs> Just how yeah. just how many movies are on that list? It's it's a lot. But yeah, go <laughs> go. Yeah. Sorry and, for interrupting. Yeah. Go uh, go ahead with your list. Oh sure. Uh, so the first list is the list of directors that I want to discover this year. So there's uh not in any particular order. There's uh Terrence Malick, uh, uh Woody Allen, Dave, uh, David Cronenberg, uh Sergio Leone, um. Kim Ji-woon, uh, Edward Yang, uh, Shilin Siyama, who uh, is the one who made uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm. Andre Tarkovsky, which, like, arguably is a very big one. 
Billy Wilder, and another very big one, like for any Criterion fan, is uh, John Cassavetes. Uh, oh yeah, which are all directors that have been like meaning to watch their movies for a long time, and that I I'll try to do this year to at least say like oh yeah i've seen at least one movie by that person uh because they're all like major directors mm-hmm. um, yeah i think that's a i think that's a good idea yeah um i think tarkovsky is an interesting one because i've only seen mm-hmm. uh i've only seen solaris from him yeah. but um the move like i i remember reading once online that like he really does have to click with you. <laughs> and I'm yeah. very, very glad that Solaris did because I can definitely see it. Like, cause it's, it's, I think it's two and a half hours or something like that. Two hours yeah. and 45 minutes. It's a, it's a long movie and not a lot happens in it, but I remember yeah. watching it and just being completely enthralled. <laughs> so yeah, Tarkovsky is one that I'm very, very glad to like. Yeah. Uh, I really yeah, love to like him. There's a lot of directors on that you mentioned on that list that I'm that I'm not too familiar with either that I'm very excited mm-hmm. to check out. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I mean Stalker like I've been trying to watch Stalker for so long, but I think I really have to be like all right, now is time. I'm going to watch Stalker. Yeah. There's actually the quite a thing. few movies like that. Uh another one that comes to mind for me is Come and See, which is like you know, mm, I, re- I really yeah. want to watch it. I'm sure I'm going to love it. But I just like, now is not the right time. Yeah, I have a whole, I have a whole like couple. Yeah. I, I, I kind of have like a categorization on my mind, in my mm-hmm. mind of like movies that I own that I, that I just, I need to know when the time is right to watch them. It's just, it's going to be a feeling. Yeah. Like obviously Stalker's there, Salo's up there. Ooh, yeah, come and see's up there. I don't, I don't own, I don't own come and see yet, but that's right. definitely one I'm looking out for. But uh-huh. like, yeah, just a lot of movies that are like, you know, I'll be like, oh, what movie should I watch tonight? And then I'll look at that and I'll go, not now, but sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they really like, if you don't watch them at the right time, it can definitely like ruin your vision of the film uh i think one oh, yeah, one that's... that i did watch not only did i watch it at the wrong time but i also watched it i saw it way too young and not in the right conditions is uh <laughs> 2001 oh um, yeah you told me about that yeah I'm, oh yeah i'm sure i did but like i saw it for those who haven't heard that i saw it when i was 14 years old i saw it in my living room which, <laughs> like during the afternoon when there was my whole family like talking about in the background uh and i just could not focus on it and i was at a point in my life too where like i saw it because i thought well everyone says it's good i should watch it and i was definitely too young to truly appreciate a movie that has so little dialogues uh because mm. I, I think it's like no one talks in the movie until the first 30 minutes or something like that i think that's right yeah i haven't seen it so i can't really confirm Oh, all right. Well, yeah, so I'll have to check. Like, there's uh, there's a, f- a few theaters in Montreal that show like, uh, you know, the, those kind of old movies. And I'm sure sometime I'm going to see one, that one of them is showing 2001. So when they do, like, yeah. I'm going to try to get a ticket. I'm going to try to watch it. Yeah, we have an art house theater uh, um, hmm. in my area that 
shows like you know presentations and movies like that's where i saw tetsuo and chunking express and mm. i i've been waiting for them to do space odyssey i think they did it once a few months ago but i wasn't yeah. able to go to that one um yeah but i th- I, th- I don't think i've told the story but my story of like the um a movie that i was definitely like not in the right situation for was uh was uh the irishman <laughs> mm. uh, because i watched it uh and i i'm not too sure if this will translate well to i guess people outside of the states but everyone who's in the states will know what i mean um i watched it the night before my act <laughs> which was an awful idea oh. which for those for is, those who don't know isn't that like the, the the like big test you have in high school is that is that what it is it's there are two now there's there's the sat uh which like i, I the you know gives you uh gives you a result that's in like the thousands and then there's the uh more Jeez. recent uh act which is like um kind of, it just kind of like gives you it in like the double digits i didn't do very well might I say, uh, in my AC, right. in my ACT, I don't think that was partly due to the Irishman, but uh, I'm just gonna say that I watched it. Um, I started it at at ten o'clock, and mm. I finished at one thirty, when I had to get up at six in the morning the next day. Yikes. Um, yeah, which you know, if you're not going to college, I. I this is this is my advice, I guess, to any uh, any high schoolers. If you're not going to college, uh, and if you don't want any kind of like, I guess grants or anything like that, don't don't take the ACT if you have to go out of your way to do it. Because <laughs> obviously, I go to college and I wanted to take the ACT, but I met so many people that just did not go to college that wasted an entire day doing the ACT and it is, it really does like it feels it is bad because it's an entire regular American school day, which is, you know, uh, like eight to eight to 3 PM. And you're there taking the test the entire time. You don't have your phone. You don't have anything. You don't even have a book. Uh, you just have the test and I think like a fifteen minute break between each of the tests. It is, it is maddening. <laughs> at least, well, that, that at least just for someone like, sounds like hell it, to me. It is. It is. It is a, a hell that I am very glad <laughs> I will never have to do again. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I remember immediately after leaving, I, I thought I'm like I don't even care what the result is. It was, yeah. I don't even know why, I think I did it purely for the, the scholarship opportunities because I was already accepted into the college I go to now by the time that I took the ACT. Oh, I all did. right. It was such a, such a hell of my own creation and choice that uh, I would really not wish upon anybody else. But maybe it's just because I don't like taking tests. But yeah, don't, hmm. don't watch a three and a half hour long movie the night before a test that was a line that was a that was a very very crucial lesson i learned that night <laughs> see it's weird because like here in canada we don't have like anything like uh some kind of test like the 
take for a certain I don't know like what when you graduate from high school it's just like you do your final your finals and you you know try to do to pass them and then if you did well good you can go to college or do whatever you want to get your diploma uh so you know that it is kind of kind of weird to me uh that this exists but <laughs> sure <laughs> well uh, how do, so so wait how do um how do at least how does it work in canada in terms of being uh chosen by colleges is it just purely grades based oh it's um yes i pretty mm. sure it is um there's all mostly that but there are also certain things like you can get like there's certain programs you can go in high school and certain schools that are obviously like certain schools that are higher rated and that if they see that someone went to that school they'll think like mm, that's pretty good um so and like that was sort of the case for me because like i went to a pretty basic school but i went to a program um that that exists in a few other high schools. this is kind of like the international program which what that means is that you go to high school um and you learn you, you i think you learn sort of like you learn the same things but there's a few things that you learn that are supposed to like prepare you to college and the workload yeah that that's the thing the workload is different it's more intense in the international program because it's again supposed to prepare you to college uh which right. honestly to be honest like i did think that the workload in college and high school wasn't that different so i guess it did help uh but the mm. worst the the main thing and the worst thing about it which had you had to do um hold on I, for, I forgot the word let me just use google translate real quick <laughs> um you had to do volunteering uh, uh you had to do i think like it is progressively gets like to a bigger number each year but i think like in the first year it's 10 hours and the other year the the, the last year it's like 20 i think um mm -hmm. and it's like you you've got a like a big you've got different choices you can pick um and so you know that was like not fun cuz it's like when when you're a teenager you don't really think about that kind of stuff and you no, yeah. you just think about like you, you know i just was thinking about like watching youtube videos um oh yeah that uh this, you do that every year in high school but except the last year because in last year you do what's called your personal project uh which is basically you can do anything that you want to do like when is when i say it's anything literally anything um but you have to do like this you have to, to fill this massive document about how you did it and a bunch of like dumb stupid and annoying questions in it too um okay and it's kind of stuff that like you do the project and it's much more focused on the uh, uh the, the, the 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 like the files that you give and uh the the, the whole thing about like the, the the question they ask you that is much more important than the actual project so i always ask you like yeah we're uh they always tell you like yeah we're sure you're very passionate about your project but don't put too much work into it so like i actually made a, a short film and it is the mm. worst thing i've ever done in my life like it's so horrible and i like i'm i'm pretty sure 
I'm pretty sure the file doesn't exist anymore because it wasn't a laptop that I had that broke. <laughs> and honestly, <Yeah. laughs> that's good. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, under- I understand that feeling. <laughs> I, um, um, yeah. V- mm-hmm. Very recently, uh, very recently for the end of my winter semester or my fall semester, I had to do a, um, I had to do a short film uh for the mm-hmm. end or just kind of you know for like the, the end of semester project and for those who you know remember on my youtube channel for it was in the middle of the semester it was for my midterm i did a short film called date night that i liked so much that i'm like yeah i'm gonna release mm-hmm. that that's good um but for the end of semester short film it f- frankly came out so bad that I genuinely do not ever want to watch it again. Uh, and if I can help it, uh, it is not going to be released in any kind of <laughs> capacity. I have it, and I'm not going to delete it, <laughs> but I'm not going to put right. it up either. <laughs> mm. It's definitely... Um, it's not that it's like horrible. It's just I know I can do better, and a lot of elements mm. were out of my control because it was crunch time and locations we couldn't really use. Right. Um, it's just a lot of things it, it didn't really go too well. So it's like, you know what? That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I completely understand that feeling. Yeah. It's like, oh man. Uh, last year for one of my classes, I had a class, I had a class on uh, documentaries and um mm. half like the, the the first beginning beginning of the class like was uh about you know like theory uh how how to make a um, a documentary and then the the second half was like all right now you guys have to make one and it was just <laughs> one like is one it's the worst teamwork experience <laughs> i've had in college and one like of the worst <laughs> teamwork experiences i've had in a while um I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not going to give out names because I have told oh, about the course. podcast to uh, to some of my friends in college. And uh, so I'm afraid that those two people are going <laughs> to, well, no, it was, all right. It was because of, because of one person, but so basically for the project, I didn't really have anyone to, to make the documentary with, but there were these two people that, uh, were like a team of two when we were supposed to be teams of three. So like I joined their team and they'd already chosen a topic, which was, well, one of them had chosen uh, the theme of like witchcraft, like the, the, the actual uh, spirituality, like not, it's not a religion, but it's like, you know, of yeah, witchcraft. I, I yeah. know what you mean. Right. That. Uh, so I thought, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, and the thing is like like first of all there were a lot of uh different details kind of boring kind of complicated but that was it were complicated and that were not very enjoyable but the the worst part was when that person who um who who chose that topic uh left and so we were now two people who did not know shit and honestly like at least for me did not care about this topic who just like had to 
had to do the rest ourselves and we had to like find people on like facebook and there were like oh. th there were people that we asked for interviews that canceled like last minute oh, and so no. we had to like we were we were panicking there, there was a particular place there was a particular shop that we found that sells stuff like that and um we had, we contacted them for interviews because we thought like oh of course we we're gonna like make a documentary to like show their um their beliefs in a like good light so obviously they're gonna say yes so we sent them an email and it took them like a month to respond and they said no oh my god and so <laughs> I hate that shit. <laughs> oh that was the worst that was like that was so stressful that was horrible uh. um and surprisingly i think the end product is actually pretty good oh wow okay yeah i'm i was very surprised about that but i i think we made <laughs> something pretty good um but it's yeah. just it, it's always a shame when you work on something not because of passion and the the, the desire to create but just because right. of stress and panic uh, yeah, because of you know necessity. That was exactly yeah, uh -huh. what I. That was exactly my feeling with my mm. short. Was like, obviously the shorts that I did before, the ones that I actually released, were ones that I, you know, I sat down and I'm like, yeah, these are things that I want to plan out. Um, I'm not gonna say much, but the store, the the short that we did, or the short that I did at the end of the semester was one written by my friend. Uh, we had to do that. It was kind of like a teamwork kind of thing. Um, and I think it could have been all right if we had a lot more time to plan. That was mainly our faults. <laughs> um, but the mm -hmm. worst, the worst, uh, I guess I'll, I'll add on to this story, is the worst teamwork uh, experience that I've had in college so far um, mm -hmm. was uh, it was... It was the day that I, so, okay, I'll, I'll preface this and I'm not going to name any names, but I did it with three other people, two of whom uh, are, are, are some of my best friends in the world. Uh, and the other one is one that I do not know very well, but he was more or less the, uh, the head of the project. Um, right. And so uh, we we decided to film at the uh, at, at our actual like school because they had a set or like you know they had they had an area that was like pretty good for like what we were trying to go for we filmed um the the, the filming part which was uh supposedly by the by what the director said would be about 2 3 hours 4 hours at most we ended up being there for about six or seven hours before it was all said and done. Ooh. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this short, this short is also one that won't see the light of day. Not by, not by anything that I care, not by anything that I care about. I think I did all right in it. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I think it's either the director doesn't want to, or he just doesn't put any of his stuff up publicly, which is fine. Um, Sure. But uh, it was th that experience alone would have been fine. But later that night, 
me and my two friends got together with uh, my girlfriend and we filmed the short date night, which is on my channel right now. Uh, and so that, mm -hmm. uh, while that was a very positive recording experience and we got it all done within like, I believe three or four hours, uh, we didn't get mm -hmm. done that day. That day started at like 9am. We didn't get done until four when it was all said and done. Like I had to, mm. I had to drive all of them home because at that point, at that time, neither of them had cars and we all kind of live on separate sides of town. <laughs> so it was just a very, very right. tiring experience. Uh, but I, <laughs> I remember thinking after that was done, I went up to one of my friends cause he, w he worked with the director on the project. Cause like, you know how I said it was like partner projects. That was theirs. Um, that was their partner project. Mm -hmm. And I went up to my friend who was one of the partners. And I was like, hey, so like next time, how about we just do it together? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't know why I didn't think about this before. But I was like, why don't we just do it together? Because so I'm like, because I think we're kind of on the same wavelength. <laughs> so, you know, that was, right. that's, that's what I can, I can only hope the future has in store. But, uh, that was yeah. very, it's, it's, I've had a lot of experiences in my, uh, film, uh, school time that has been very like hectic one day shoots, um, that weren't, that weren't out of anything that we really could either control or care for. But there was, um, there was one time, um, that we filmed in an abandoned quarry. Uh, and I don't, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think we were allowed to be there. So, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. so like it was a lot of, um, like it was, it was an incredible set. And I really hope that my friend, uh, is able to like, is able to put this out some kind of way. Uh, but like, yeah, it's incredible. It was an incredible set. It was like, it looked really good. Um, but the only downside to it was that we had to, we had to constantly be on the lookout to see if anybody was, anybody was close by so that <laughs> we didn't get caught. All right. And I don't think, I don't think much would have happened obviously cause it's abandoned, but obviously it was not the safest place to be. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's, it's those stories that like, even, even the bad times are like, I kind of like. I kind of like I kind of like this. Like I like being able to have these stories about my time uh, in film school, and I'm 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 happy that I'm only mm -hmm. like nearly halfway through. Like there's still more to go. Um, yeah, yeah, and there's there's other times that we've been like we've been called like unprofessional by uh, some of the uh, upperclassmen, but I remember there was one specific time <laughs> where right. uh, this was okay. This was. And I'll, and I'll get off this topic after this, but, um, my, uh, mm -hmm. my friend. So, okay. In, in the short that I will never release, uh, my friend who starred in it, uh, had, uh, another, he had another thing going on that day of shooting, which was going to his, uh, going to do a really, really quick audition with, uh, one of his upperclassmen friends. They're like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're making, we're making like a you know whole planned out short film for our class, and we want to and we wanted to see if you wanted to audition. He's like, yeah. So he goes, uh, and he's like, I'll be back in like ten minutes. And I'm like, all right, cool. 
So we we just kind of sat around mm. and delayed production until he came back. Um, he comes back like twenty minutes later, and he's like, "I don't know what's going on." And they didn't say this in the email, but they're doing an entire table read right now, and they need me for like twenty oh. minutes. And I was like, "What?" I was like, "What?" I was like, "Why?" I'm like, they're going on about being all professional. Why didn't they say anything about this? Yeah. But it uh, was, I was, I was like, what, ha- what happened? <laughs> but we eventually got out of there. Um, but that was another, another reason why that, why that shoot was as, as hectic and not great as it was. But yeah, you know, it's, it's just film school stuff and it's, it's really fun yeah. in hindsight, but when it's happening, it is just very, very stressful. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's we've been we've been on that one for long enough, and I feel like I've been yeah. ranting on about it for long enough. So, uh, what are some what are some other topics uh, that right. you think are uh, yeah? Well, there are the the two other films that uh, films that I've seen that I haven't talked about. Uh, oh right, yeah. We... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we got so that was, off track. That was no, oh dude, no problem. Uh, <laughs> so the other film uh, is kind of a film that I did, randomly decided to watch, uh, which was uh, Eternal Sunshine, uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh. Uh, and I, I just came to the conclusion that. I have to watch anything, any movie that Charlie Kaufman has wrote. Oh like, yeah! Holy shit! I think uh, I I wrote that in my review of the movie. Uh, what did I say? Hold on. Um, I said yeah. I I said I wish I was point one percent as clever as Charlie Kaufman. That is definitely true. <laughs> like, just. I've only seen two movies that he wrote. Uh, that and I'm thinking of ending things. And both both movies were like... Because, you know, for the past few weeks, I've been thinking of, uh, you know, s- s- starting to, to write my own short films and to actually, like, you know, try to film, make them and uh, send them to festivals. Uh, and th- this is the kind of movies that I watch and I think, like, What's the point? I'll never achieve such a such a, such a level of uh, of cleverness and uh, talent. Uh, but yeah, so obviously one of the best movies that Jim Carrey's been in, uh, including the Truman Show and Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure, like which one is my favorite performance of him between like this one or the Truman show. Cause they're both like, I, I really love whenever committee comedy actors try to, to go into a more, um, dr- dramatic side, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, yeah, Adam Sandler with, uh, Uncle James or punch Drunk love. Uh, it's, it really just shows like, because I mean, James Carey is a really, really good actor. Oh like, yeah. I think, I think he might be the most like underrated and overlooked actor working now. And for one reason that's very obvious he, is that he's making comedies. Um, and there's so- something that's weird and stupid that like, 
when whenever an actor mostly does comedies, they cannot think of him as like a great actor. Well, they can they can think of him as a great co comedy actor, but nothing more than that. Like no Oscars right. given to them or anything. Uh, I'd say it's the same reason why Anna like Anna Sandler was not nominated for uh, for an Oscar or, or anything. Um, because I'm pretty sure Jim Carrey was not the only uh the only actor that I can think of that started pretty much being known only as com for comedies, but that made a dramatic movie and won an Oscar for it is Robin Williams for Goodwill Hunting. Um, besides that, like, yeah, I really wish that comedies could. Uh, I w I really wish that the Oscars could like change the way they think about comedies and while we're at it uh we can also add like horror movies and uh animated movies yeah can we uh, can we fix that it's really getting like it's so it's, annoying it, yeah it, it's really getting annoying like the fact that if the fact that there's only been one uh anime movie other than studio ghibli ever nominated uh for the oscars is is, is very crazy to me and the fact that like Mm -hmm. I think in in recent memory, I think Get Out was like the only horror movie that has been in the like Oscar running. Like, um, even when it, even when stuff like Lighthouse existed, it's just like well, Light, yeah, Lighthouse was well, there for like cin cinematography, which it didn't even win that. Was it? I didn't even know it was there for cinematography. Yeah, it was. It was up for. It was the only award it was up for, and it didn't even win. I don't remember who beat. I don't remember what beat it, but I remember I was like, "You've been robbed, robbed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, recently I saw a list uh, that I actually have right in front of me of uh, the list of uh, horror movies that were nominated for uh, no, that won Oscars, and most of them are like, for example, the first one is uh, "Sleepy Hollow" by Tim Burton, which is like. That's not that's not really a horror movie. Like that's a creepy movie. Yeah. That's not a horror movie. I don't, I don't really count. I don't know if you're the same way, but I yeah. don't really count Tim Burton as horror. No, no, he's, no, no. He's too. It's too. It's too whimsical for me to yeah, be really he's scared. Too, he makes. You know, I will say he makes great introductions to horror movie to the horror genre. Yeah, uh, I don't like think they're if, bad yeah. movies. Let, let me, let me I, clarify. I, think, I don't think they're bad movies. No, but. oh the, no, I, I like. I really like the the stuff that he made in like from the beginning of his career to like the, the mid 2000s yeah um but i'd say like i feel like the people who the the kids who are big uh tim burton fans will end up being big horror movie fans mm -hmm. like in general um so let's see what there's so most of the most of the oscars were for either for makeup for uh best there's one here for for best score there's you know it, it's usually that like the, the 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 technical awards but not like the, the i mean they are artistic but not the quote-unquote artistic uh <laughs> categories right. there is here i see that uh kathy bates did win for misery let's go oh my god i mean yeah, yeah no shit she did <laughs> Yeah, oh my god. Thank <laughs> I didn't even know that was something I needed in my life, but I'm glad that it exists. Good um, on you, Kathy Bates. Yeah. Um 
Ruth Gordon won an Oscar for her performance in Rosemary's Baby. Yes, um, yes, she did. That's great. Uh, and yeah, so in terms of actually winning, the the only one that w- w- like was big that year at the Oscar. And I'll see. It's not really. A, it's really not a film that I consider that much to be a horror movie. Is Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Like to me, it's more of a thriller than I like full on horror movie but it did win yeah. five oscars oh wow uh it won <laughs> uh best adapted screenplay best actress best actor best director and best picture so like the big awards um and yeah so i mean it's it's really stupid how whenever i see people complaining about that on twitter about the way that the oscars treat horror movies you've always got that one guy who for some reason like really wants to suck the oscars dick and who just tries to defend them (laughs) on everything and who just says well yeah but like uh did you are you forgetting that 50 years ago the exorcist won an oscar and that uh 30 years ago sense of the lambs uh, won some oscars it's not that bad really (laughs) yeah 30 years ago yeah (laughs) like what's the world (laughs) i mean yeah like Get Out was like the, the the first horror movie to win an Oscar in like thirty years. Yeah, like Robert Dude. Eggers and Ari Aster have been killing it. Yeah, and yeah. they have never been they nominated got... for an Oscar an Oscar before Lighthouse. Yeah, was given was given even cinematography. Willem Dafoe wasn't even nominated. That oh is my a, God. that is a crime. <laughs> it should be illegal. Yeah, like that, that's. That's the most that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Dude, I'm gonna call the fucking police. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, hold on. What what movies horror movies released this year could win or could be nominated at the Oscars? Um, one second. Hold on. Um, I want to take a look at that. Yeah. I well the the first one that I think of, I don't see it happening, but last night in Soho is the only oh. horror movie that I think of yeah. that, like, good horror movie, uh, at least in my opinion, that was uh, released this year. Um, Let's see. Uh, again, never happening, because that's another conversation, but it's a foreign movie. There's Titan. I, uh, I think Titan might might get a nomination, because, it, you know, well, it won the right, Palme d'Or, obviously. Yeah, it's um, all right. I'm, I get what you're saying, but it's not going to get anything more than best foreign movie. I, think I can so. guarantee. I would love. I it, don't think it'll. But, I don't think it'll get it, but I think it could be nominated for best picture. I think nominated I mean, maybe. I mean, I if hope. it happens, like even if it's nominated, I would be so happy. Oh but, yeah. But in my opinion. Never happening. Never happening in a million year. Uh, oh yeah, no winning. Titan winning Best Picture is going to be like, it, it would be it would be an earth shattering moment. <laughs> It'd be like what? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, if I I feel like this year has some good potential to be like another year of snubs, at least in a minor way. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I because yeah, yeah. I can I can I can picture French Dispatch being nominated. For stuff, I can picture Titan sure. being nominated. I can picture, I can picture Spencer being nominated. 
But it yeah, if that it was, doesn't yeah. if they if they don't win best best actress, I I gotta say, I I I might I might be angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last duel, maybe that was a good movie. Um, I don't know. It's well, what's I'm just, what's I'm interesting? Hoping. What's interesting about the this conversation? We've, we we've talked about the Oscars in a recent episode. But yes. recently, there were the Golden Globes, which... Oh, yeah, we did not re- talk like, about that. No, we did not talk about it, but the Golden Globes, like, g- generally get, can give us, like, uh, an op- approximation of what the Oscars will be. So, if we look at... Uh, can I have... Uh, also, what's uh, different is that the, the, the Golden Globes does something that I... And kind of like divided with is that they, um, they have two categories for like everything. They have one for best actor in a movie and best actor for a comedy or a musical or a horror movie, like, like yeah. for genre movies, which I'm kind of mixed about because one, like s- dividing those movies, I think is fucking stupid. And it's like, there's it's so strange. much that's wrong with that. Uh, but in another way, like those movies would never win prizes otherwise so yeah um but if you look at uh hold on a sec i just need to find it hold on ah shit i got to go on the website um yeah so best picture in drama uh, the movies nominated were uh, Belfast, which I think is the new film by uh, what's his face, Gilroy Lockhart. Uh, hold on, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, mm. That so that's his new movie. There's Coda, which I don't, I'm not really familiar with. I did not hear about that one either. I'm looking at the list yeah. right now too. Uh, there's Dune, which yeah, like yeah. I re- I really wanted I, I really want Dune to win like some Oscars. Oh, I'm um, sure it'll win like I'm sure it'll I, win. I I I am like certain it'll win like the special effects Oscar. Oh, it's guaranteed pretty much. Yeah, there's and no way. There are, the other movie that was nominated is actually a movie that I haven't heard that much people talking about. It's uh, King Richard with uh, Will Smith. I saw um. I saw the trailer for it, and it was on HBO Max for a little bit of time, but I did not watch it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I've heard it's all right. <laughs> um, and then you've got Best Picture for Musical or Comedy. So we've got which? Oh wait, did, uh, did you mention what? Hmm? Did you mention what one? Oh yeah, uh, on I did mention uh, pa- uh, the Power of the Dog, uh, the new mm. uh, I forgot her name too. What? Uh, Who's the director again? Um, Jane Campion. Mm. Uh, what? So yeah. mm-hmm. What kind of? I'm looking at this right now. I I I'm just now realizing that I've never closely looked at the Golden Globes because I never mm-hmm. realized that for some reason they separated drama and musical and comedy. Why? If they were to separate it, why would yeah. they separate musical and comedy into the same thing? It's not like those genres yeah. are 
very similar. You can have a musical comedy, it's, but they're not. They're they're mutually yeah, exclusive. I mean, they can be other things. Yeah, but it's very know, it's, it's very stupid. weird. Uh, but so the nom- <laughs> the nominees for best musical or comedy were uh, Tick Tick Boom, which was my number one film of twenty twenty one. Licorice Pizza, uh, Cyrano with uh, Peter Dinklage, Don't Look Up, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, the winner, West Side Story, um, oh. which I mean, I yeah, I have not I have not seen the movie, um, mm-hmm. but I I just don't want I don't want West Side Story to win anything at the Oscars. I know it's gonna. But well, I just don't want it to sweep. If it if I, it does, I'll I, if it does this year, I'll be a wash because it's just it's so it just seems yeah. really bland. And I just I really mm-hmm. well see. All right, the thing is, it's kind of like the the kind of stuff that those award shows really like because it's a, that's exactly you know, West, yeah. West, yeah, West Side Story is such a classic, like. It's you know one one of the the biggest um, musicals from the time where musicals were really 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 big in Hollywood, uh, mm. and it's made by Steven Spielberg, who's like Steven Spielberg. I don't have anything to add yeah. to that. Uh, yeah. And is any movies that are like related to Hollywood and the history of Hollywood? I find is like the kind of movies that the Oscars really like yeah there's no like, way that West Side Story is this year's like big Oscar thing like I can already I can already see it but it's just it's yeah if this wins if this like sweeps the Oscars it's going to I guess shut out the light from so many other I yeah. personally mm-hmm. I personally think more interesting movies that we've you know we've talked we've talked about to death but it just I'll be very disappointed, yeah. I guess. Well, now I now I scroll down and I'm looking at the best actress in a motion motion picture drama, and in the nominees there's Kristen Stewart for Spencer, which was mm-hmm. your uh, your I'm guessing your favorite performance of uh, of the year. Yes. Then there's La- <laughs> yes, Lady Gaga in uh, House of Gucci. Mm-hmm. Olivia Colman in The Lost Daughter, which was. Not my favorite performance of 2021, but my favorite actress. So still, uh, and then he had Jessica Chastain, Chastain in the The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which I'm not familiar with that movie. I'm not familiar with that either. And the winner was Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, which is another movie that I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with that one either, so I can't yeah, really can't really say too much. <clears throat> yeah, it's oh, it's an. All right, so it's an Amazon Prime original. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, all right, it's another movie that talks about like Hollywood in the fifties. <laughs> great, great. So, <laughs> thank you. Oh, wait, it was directed by Aaron Sorkin. I'm sorry. Aaron Sorkin directed a movie this year, and I and I didn't hear about it. What? what? How did I? How did we not hear about that? What in the world? All right, now I'm now I'm a what? little bit more interested. <laughs> yes, yeah, same because it's like, I mean, also like Aaron Sorkin doesn't direct that many movies, but he directed no. like 
<laughs> oh, he directed a movie like two years in a row. That's that's weird. Like, that's oh, uh, I... surprising. So I am gonna add that to my watch list. <laughs> uh but yeah. So I am kind of surprised. I, I did think for that kind of sub that um, Kristen Stewart was gonna win. But I guess not. Right. Um, then best actor in a motion picture drama, you had um, uh, Denzel Washington for the tragedy of of Macbeth, mm-hmm. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for the power of the dog, uh, Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. I didn't even know he wasn't that. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> Maharshala Ali for Swan Song, which is another movie that I don't know. And the winner is Will Smith for King Richard. Um, so I guess that movie was really like a big movie for uh, the Golden Globes this year. Um, yeah. Oh, that's fucking funny. Now now you got Best Actress for a Musical and Comedy. The first one is Amazon for Cruella. Oh, the f- dude why <laughs> that <laughs> it's i always hate whenever like one of those like uh live action remakes when yeah uh, like uh, or even just get nominated for anything like didn't uh didn't the lion king win the oscar for best uh special effects Oh, no, they didn't win I best. And th- it was nominated for best animated movie, which I thought was yeah. fucking funny. That is, it is very funny. Um, uh, wait, wait. So did Emma Stone win? No, she didn't. She was just nominated. Oh, uh, okay. Th- there was also Jennifer Lawrence for Don't Look Up, uh, which okay. I mean, you know, Jennifer Lawrence. So why not? Alana Haim for uh, Licorice Pizza. Oh, let's go. Uh, right. That's that's a good uh, one. Of course. Manuel Casillo for uh, Annette. Mm. And finally, the winner was Rachel Zegler for West Side Story. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Which I think I think it was I think it was like her first big role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, I think she won a Golden Globe for that. So that's pretty cool. The, the thing with West Side Story that I think is going to be very interesting throughout the awards season is the fact that uh, Ansel Elgort is uh, the is the lead of the movie, mm, uh, yeah. and uh, he is not going to be mentioned at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for for those for those who don't know, some pretty serious allegations were mm-hmm. leveled were leveled against uh, Ansel earlier this year. So um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if I hear his name during the Oscars. Um. But you know, yeah, it <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> uh, but the then for uh, best actor in a uh, musical or comedy, that's the one that I'm very happy about the winner. Uh, but so the nominees were Anthony Ramos for In the Heights, just to remind mm-hmm. people that this movie exists and came out this year. Because uh, <laughs> I I don't know about you, I completely forgot about that. Oh no, yeah, I. The, the only the like, only reason I remember is because my girlfriend's a huge Lin Manuel Miranda fan, so like she well, she listens to the soundtracks a lot, and I remember it exists. 
But I, I what's yeah, funny I is that like it. this is this is one of three movies that Lin Manuel Miranda worked on this year, and like I feel like people are were talking so much about the two first ones that like they completely overshadowed this one. Um, <laughs> then you got uh, Cooper Hoffman for Licorice Pizza, which which like oh kind of really cool to to see like good for him good for him yeah both him and alana did both him and alana did like so good in that movie yeah i I haven't seen it but i'm sure they did it's just like i hope that he's gonna get like a career as big as his father you know yeah i would love it that would be really (laughs) cool for him uh then is uh peter dinklage for uh serrano so Mm, i hadn't seen the movie but sure uh, Leon- Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up. Uh, same thing with Jennifer Lawrence. It's not really like I don't. I think it's also because like there are two actors that people like to give prizes to. Um, mm. But the winner is making me very, 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 very happy because it's Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom. Ah, good for him. <laughs> so, man, it's like but that and Spider Man just make this has just made me love andrew garfield so much uh i'm glad he's getting i'm glad he's getting some uh yeah some appreciation mm. uh now i'm curious oh all right yeah so now we get now we got best director uh so the first one is uh didn't even know for dune uh, which mm-hmm. I've mentioned times and times again about how, like, for page for very patriotic reasons, I really want him to win anything. Uh, then you got Steven Spielberg for West Side Story because it's fucking Steven Spielberg. Um, then you got Maggie Gyllenhaal for The Lost Daughter, which I'm very happy that you know for a directorial debut she was able to get nominated. That's pretty yeah. cool. And then uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, and finally the winner. Uh, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, which is making me curious, like, how many women won the this award. Uh, but it's also, I just realized, like, last year was Chloe Zhao, right? Oh, yeah. Wasn't it? Yes. So, so, so. like, two, year, two years in a row where a, mo- a woman won Best Director, like, dude, that's something. Uh, uh, but yeah so that's that's the Golden Globes which like I personally really don't care that much about the Golden Globes in general yeah it always Uh, seems like the Oscars is the much more like big thing that everyone looks to which I mean it might just be confirmation bias because I do the same thing but (laughs) mm-hmm I'm not sure what it is about it though. Like I think it's cause, um, I th- I think it's cause they also give awards to uh, TV shows. Yeah, it's so that that and it's like, um, that and I think like the Oscars is is probably so prominent because it's so big and it's so old. Like it's like one of the biggest award yeah. shows oh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's something and yeah. But I guess to um to get on like a final uh topic I guess for this episode. Uh the uh just today, I don't know if you saw um today as a recording of this, the uh mm-hmm. April 2022 announcements were announced for uh the Criterion collection. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I saw so that this morning. To quickly go over it, uh, we have um, a Blu-ray. We have a couple upgrades. We have a Blu-ray upgrade for Spine number 423, mm-hmm. uh, Walker, directed by Alex Cox. We have a, uh, a 4K upgrade for um, Spine number 54, For All Mankind, directed by uh, Al Reinhardt, which is the uh, documentary on the uh, Apollo moon landing mission. Um, we have mm-hmm. uh, here. Here, so here are the uh, new new additions. We have spine number uh, a thousand hundred nineteen miracle in Milan, uh, directed by uh, Vittorio De Sica. I think that's Sica. I'm not too sure. Um, oh. Spine number one or uh, one thousand one hundred twenty. Uh, the girl can't help it, directed by Frank Tashlin. Uh, we have um. Spine number uh, one thousand one hundred twenty one, which was a, a another uh, twenty twenty film, uh, is uh, I, I I'm sorry if I butcher this, uh, I am Ofe, uh, or in parentheses this is my desire, uh, which uh, mm-hmm. I did not really even hear anything about, but apparently a lot of people who saw it uh, liked it a lot and are really happy that it's out on Criterion. So I kind of wanted to make that that kind of makes me want to check it out. And uh, the final, mm-hmm. uh, the final uh, announcement was uh, spine number one thousand one hundred twenty-two, uh, round midnight, directed by uh, Bertrand uh, Tavernier. So that was that was the month. <laughs> no real huge mm-hmm. announcements uh, that I am too yeah. interested in checking out. I want to watch Iamofe, but I don't think I'm going to buy it. I might t- mm-hmm. take a look at For All Mankind because that seems really interesting. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's just yeah. another another month. <laughs> another it's month another month where it's another month where I don't know any movie that were uh, that that were yeah. announced. Uh, but I'm curious to, to 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 watch them. Of course, yeah, I'm uh, curious to hear about it. So, all right, you you, you said. Uh, 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 closing topic but i i do have another thing i do do have oh, yeah? a third movie that i watched that I, that oh I my god I call, we, oh my god we really we really went on tangents in this episode Dude, jesus this oh yeah oh <laughs> I my goodness forgot about that hey, so what's the, what, what is it this this is a movie called i'm still here uh directed by uh casey affleck with joaquin phoenix uh, it is a very, very, very interesting case. Uh, so I think you... Uh, so it says here that you put it in your watch list. So I assume that you kind of know what it's about. Um, I believe so. <laughs> right. So to explain anyone who doesn't know this movie, um, back in 2008... Uh, oh, actor... yes, I do know this one. I do know this one. <laughs> all right, all right. Actor Joaquin Phoenix, uh, at the time known for his role as Johnny Cash and Walk the Line... Um, Announced publicly that he was retiring from acting. Uh, and that not only that, but he was going to start a new career in rap music. <laughs> Everyone hearing that were kind of like, um, what the fuck? Excuse me? Um, and so the whole documentary is just him that shows his life for a year from the moment where he announces that he's retiring to... Like you know, him starting to to 
to release like some of his work as a rapper <laughs> and well the thing is so if you don't know the story you might think like this is how is that possible and how like you, you know because like he's not retired he wanted he won an oscar two years ago well yeah because that is was completely like that was a massive prank that was <laughs> one year one entire year of Joaquin Phoenix method acting on everyone. It's and it's it's the most insane thing I've seen in a while. Like I said I, I, I said uh when we were t back when we were talking about American Psycho, how Christian Bell's performance is one of the best one I've seen in uh a while. It's that and Joaquin Phoenix's performance, because like Yeah. They even show him like when he goes on David Letterman and he just acts like he just acts like someone who's insane, like he, who's crazy. <laughs> and, uh, after watching the movie, I also uh, watched um, uh, an interview that he did uh, with da David Letterman to pr promote I'm Still Here, where they mostly went over the interview to uh, talk about like how it happened. That's and amazing. It's, like, I think. I think I added that to my watch list because I saw that you watched it or something. Mm, and I'm maybe. like, what is this movie? And I like checked it out. <laughs> um, and it's, 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 it's like the fact that this movie exists is like actually insane. And I think like there's a, a still some people who like have watched the movie without knowing that it's fake, which I think is really <laughs> funny. That's awesome. Um, which, it, it, like, if you watch the movie uh, thinking it's fake, it really makes you wonder, like, what happened to Viking Phoenix so that he went from, uh, like, uh, being this crazy man who's going to write music to going back to movies and being in, like, her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely insane and just made, like, made me respect Viking Phoenix so much more. Uh, it's an insane movie and I highly recommend it um, and yeah that's it for, for this movie so I'm guessing now it's time to uh, announce next week's film yes so I've already uh, set up the uh, randomizer so let me click on randomize and alright the movie we will be talking about next week is Chunking Express. Yes! Yes! Fuck yeah. Oh my god, finally, yes. Finally, oh, we yes. will be talking about Wong Kar Wai. I love Chunking Express. I I've love seen it so much. I saw it three times last year, and I don't even <laughs> care. I'm going to watch it again for this fucking podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like I've only seen it seen it once, but I'm so so down to watch it again. Um, like Wonka really is a director that I discovered. Like I'd never before twenty twenty one. I I barely even heard of him, uh, and now I've seen a couple of his movies, and he's kind of like become I think one of my favorite directors, and I really mm -hmm. love him. And uh Chunking Express is my favorite one that he's that he's made, so I'm very excited to rewatch it and rediscover it. Um 
I've seen um I've seen seven of his films through the uh World of Warcraft yeah. Criterion box set and I agree mm-hmm. in when you say that it is probably his best. Um yeah. but I'm so genuinely excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh yeah. All right, well I guess that's it for uh movie dues this week. Yeah. Uh thank you everybody for watching. Uh you know, like and subscribe if you enjoyed this, that kind of stuff. Uh hang follow us on the Twitter and stuff, fill streams, uh so watch them on that. Mm-hmm. Uh and I guess that's that's about it. Thank you for watching. Yep. Bye bye. Bye.